Every Stearns & Foster mattress is handcrafted with the finest materials for irresistible comfort every single night. Now, save up to $800 on select adjustable mattress sets only at StearnsAndFoster.com. Lesser savings may apply. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Claire Fallon. And I'm Emma Gray. And this is Love to See It, an obsessively detailed recap podcast about reality dating shows like The Bachelor and other pop culture that makes us laugh, cry, and curse the patriarchy. We can't live with these shows and we can't live without them, but we can break down every juicy moment and unpack all the weird messages these shows send us about love, sex, and dating. Welcome to Love to See It, a podcast about stealing the bride's fella. And about how creme brulee could never be jello. You could never be jello. Thank you, Lee. I th- honestly, I think that's a compliment. If you haven't already guessed, during this week's rom com rewatch, we're heading back to 1997 to gaze upon Julia Roberts' perfect curly hair in my best friend's wedding. Just ideal curly hair right there. And here to join us is Nora McInerney, host of Terrible Thanks for Asking and author of books including 2022's Bad Vibes Only. Nora, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me and for letting me talk about one of my favorite movies. Oh, we are so excited that you picked this one. First, Nora, I just wanted to ask you, what is your relationship in general with romantic movies? I love a romantic movie. I feel like I got to come of age, depending on when you decide to come of age, in kind of like a golden age of romantic comedies specifically. I I do need the calm along with the rom in order for me (laughs) to love it. I'm not, you know, I'm not, the notebook didn't do it for me, frankly. You're you're not a rom-drom. I'm not gal. a rom-drom. No. I need the rom-com. That's what I need. So I, can I appreciate that. like a, a a rom-com to me is like comfort food emotionally and intellectually. I want something where I'm pretty sure I know where it's going to end, but I don't know how we're going to get there. Oh, oh. So beautiful yes. cuz that's what a rom-com is about. We kind yeah. of know where it's going, but we don't know the journey of how yeah. we're going to get there. And, and that's, that's why we love the, the rom-com. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I completely agree. I think that the rom-com genre is, is the most comforting form of media for me personally as well. And yeah, we, we, we got to grow up alongside that sweet spot of like, they were just coming out of the eighties. Uh, 
incredible rom-coms into those solid 90s peak rom-coms. Once we got to the 2000s, started to struggle a little mm-hmm. bit, yeah. but yeah. And now our I, childhoods were rich. And now I think like, I mean, you know, uh, my best friend's wedding came out in 1996, right? Seven. 1997. 1997. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was a freshman in high school. You're like doing. Uh, yeah. I'm literally doing that. <laughs> that was pretty fast math. It would have taken me much. I was longer. a I was a freshman in high school, and if if that is not when your brain is the most receptive to this mm-hmm. kind of messaging, I don't know when it would be. But oh, yeah. it just painted such a interesting picture of adulthood for me that I. Don't think if I'd seen it for the first time at 25 or 35 or 40, which is the age that I'm rewatching it, it would not have had the same effect. It would not have had the same effect on me. But I no, thought there's something about watching these kind of movies when you're young and you're figuring out who you are and what you want your romantic and dating life to look like yeah. in the future that like lodges deep within you. Yeah. I had is, yet to is kiss that a boy. why you picked this movie? Yeah, I, oh. I think so. Because like, I had yet to kiss. <laughs> when I saw this movie, I had yet to even be liked by a boy <laughs> in any way. <laughs> like, looked at in any sense of the word. I was <laughs> six feet tall already, you know? And uh, boys, which was my dating pool, um were I would say five five to five seven, you know? Uh it was just an awkward, awkward time. And if you at that age see a woman like Julia Roberts, you think that's well that's that's what I'll end up being. It's gonna be okay. <laughs> like, You're like, I'm that's gonna gotta be, her. be the yeah that's that's being presented to me as a near future. So how exciting, how wonderful to know that that's what's coming, right? That's what's coming somewhere after I just get through high school, get through college, a sexy career is coming. Okay. (laughs) And a tall tall man. And a man that I can look in the eye. (laughs) Okay. I mean, yeah, still disappointing to me personally yeah. that I'm not Julia Roberts. Yeah. It's been a, you know, Damn, it didn't I've happen. had to come, come to grips with that over the years. But I absolutely love that answer. Before we get into the meat mm. of my best friend's yeah. wedding, I wanted to talk a little bit about the background of this movie. As you said, my best friend's wedding came out June 20th, 1997. It was directed by P.J. Hogan, who also wrote and directed the 1994 Aussie classic, Muriel's Wedding. Oh, which Incredible was film. Such a great film. So good. Formative. Formative Tony, Tony film Collette. for me. Oh, Anything oh. with Tony Collette, right? Oh, I is love a formative her. film. <laughs> oh, also, Tony Collette falls into that same category where she's lovely and has a perfectly beautiful body and that was fed to us is this is the ugliest and fattest <laughs> yeah. on most undesirable a person can be and you know my middle school brain was like okay like yeah you're like yeah yep. of course who, who would want to yeah. be tony collette i'm like jesus christ i want to be, tony be collette. Yeah. uh yeah but i think there are you do see the like some of the aussie sensibilities and the yes. campiness yes. of this film so that felt really key yeah. to me 
The screenplay was written by Academy Award-winning screenwriter Ronald Bass, who has a long list of credits, including Rain Man, The Joy Luck Club, Waiting to Exhale, Dangerous Minds, Stepmom, How Stella Got Her Groove Back. I mean, just an insane, insane. I'm sorry, you're telling me that a man wrote How How Stella Stella Got got Her her Groove Back? back. That's what I'm thinking. That's... It's just and making me rethink mom. a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I, I have to say I'm not that surprised yeah. that a man wrote this movie. Yeah. No, <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. I'm also not, not surprised that a man wrote Stepmom. I, I <laughs> yeah, same. I got a whole bit about Stepmom. Um, that movie severely traumatized me. My father took me to see that movie in theaters because, you know, when you used to only have like the trailer that they'd play and then a little blip in like the newspaper Mm -hmm. and it was like a great comedy with Julia Roberts she's a stepmom and my dad and I were like what a great comedy to go (laughs) see and then halfway through he was like this is a deeply tragic it's a trauma yes okay And I was just like heaving sobs, and my poor father was like, "Why did I do? I don't know what to do." We thought we were seeing a Julia Roberts comedy. (laughs) Traumatic. I still won't watch that, Mom. Yeah. (laughs) That was an aside. My my only criticism of Ronald Bass is that he did write the absolutely terrible 2022 adaptation of Persuasion. Um, Oh, oh, the Netflix one on that. Oh, the Netflix one. Didn't even give it to Dakota Johnson. So, you know, rough, but I'll forgive him because of the aforementioned (laughs) (laughs) incredible career. Um, My best friend's wedding opened at number two at the North American box office just behind Batman and Robin. And it was one of the top 10 highest grossing films of the year because this was a time in which rom-coms dominated out of the box office and uh, were allowed to be studio films. Yeah, yeah, man. Right next to Batman know. and Robin, we did. I know. know, I know, a superhero movie next to a rom com. We didn't Unbelievable. know that we would be we entering an good. adulthood where only Marvel movies would exist in theaters. <laughs> yeah, that? and I guess now, now toy movies. Yes. now that Barbie IP. is done well, IP yeah. only, <laughs> IP only. Yeah. Um, yeah, we would never get my best friend's no, wedding now. No. It would like maybe make it to streaming, and it would get lost. And yeah. You know, five people would watch it. So I was reading about how this movie came to be. And Ron Bass got the idea for my best friend's wedding during a meeting with his then agents at CAA in like the mid-90s. He, they were like kicking around story ideas. And I guess they, his agents brought up an article that was a story about a woman who found out about an old boyfriend's marriage and then immediately realized she shouldn't let him go. And Bass told E! News in 2017, quote, My immediate reaction to that was, there should be a movie about somebody who's been really close to that guy all along. She's been his best friend all along and suddenly realizes she should have changed the relationship and now she wants him back. And they asked me, well, what happens? And I said, well, she goes after him and tries to get him back. And I guess he had been attending a big, splashy Chicago wedding recently. So he like mashed this idea up. With this big wedding weekend he had recently attended, and that is the birth of this screenplay. I was wondering. I love it. Because I I mean, I now pay attention now that I am a, I mean, technically I'm a screenwriter. I'm in the WGA West. And so I always pay attention to who 
rights. Like I pay attention to the credits in a way that I didn't, you know, in seventh grade or ninth grade, if you can believe it. And yeah, my first thought when I saw it was written by a man was what? And my second was (laughs) what woman, what woman did he steal this story from? Hmm. (laughs) Like, Yep. Like, and my hypothesis, because why would I Google it in pre- preparation for today? My hypothesis was that he had a friend or he had a sister or he had, you know, like all mm. writing comes from somewhere. Even yeah, it sounds fiction, like it was right? like it a always, random yeah. Daily Mail yeah. article or yeah. something, <laughs> like some like feature, yeah. you know, in a women's magazine. Um, obviously, this movie stars some, like, rom-com heavy hitters. Uh-huh. We have Julia Roberts. Yeah, the Essential. We have Cameron Diaz. Oh, yep. I think one of her most beautiful her roles. Breakout. Incredible, incredible. She had been in The Mask in 94, mm-hmm. and the following year, 98, was There Something About Mary. Mm-hmm. So she was, like, really on the rise. Yeah. We also have, of course, Dermot Mulroney mm-hmm. and Rupert Everett, <gasps> who just MVP of this movie. perfect combination. The yep. perfect incredible. combination. It, it absolutely incredible. Um, and apparently they were also thinking of sending out the offer for Julianne to Sandra Bullock. Those were the only two actresses they were considering. And those are the were only like, two? These are the two women. Those yeah, are the only could two do it. could do it. Those are the only right? two. Yep, yeah. that's it. That's it. They. I was like, that's actually a good call. Yeah. Yes. They are the only yep. two that could have done it. Yeah. I love Sandra Bullock. Now I kind of want to see Sandy like in this role. But I know. We yeah, wouldn't have the big red hair. Yeah. No, but we'd have that glossy thing. Thick, thick, dark yep. hair. You both have it. Must be great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Must be great. I would be constantly just like. You You had the Cameron Diaz hair. So here yeah, we go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, fine bleached hair. And people <laughs> love that too. Okay. Some, some of us grew up in the era of Gwyneth and Cameron Diaz. And we were like, why are we not? Why blonde? do I? Yeah. Why am I a brunette? Hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was hard for us. <laughs> <laughs> but Julia Roberts was sort of eager to use my best friend's wedding as a way to play against type. Mm-hmm. Um, the director, PJ Hogan, told The Ringer that, you know, Julia Roberts was seven years out from Pretty Woman, 1990, and she had sort of been pigeonholed. And he said this was an actress who really wanted to do something that her audience didn't expect. Mm-hmm. And so it was a way for her to kind of work inside the genre, but also upend it. And I thought that that was really interesting. At the time the movie came out, it got like mixed reviews, which is not surprising for a rom-com. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of positive reviews, but some mixed. Roger Ebert, who I will say, whenever we do these, I go back and read his reviews. And he always seems to take romantic movies really seriously as an art form, which I appreciate about him, unlike many of his male contemporaries. And he praised the film's subversion of rom-com conventions at the time. He wrote, One of the pleasures of Ronald Bass's screenplay is the way it subverts the usual comic formulas that would fuel a plot like this. The screenplay has never been on autopilot. It just fooled us into thinking it was Mm -hmm. in order to sneak up on the unpredictability. Janet Maslin at the New York Times had a somewhat less charitable view. She called the movie a, a, quote, obtuse, prettily decorative comedy, though she did acknowledge that the film resolves itself on a satisfying note and it offers a nice new take on Happily Ever After. Oh, obtuse is such a funny way to describe it. Like, was it? I know. (laughs) Was there something you didn't get? (laughs) 
Yeah, it seems like. sort of obvious, actually, and prettily decorative. I'm like, isn't decor meant? Yeah. I don't know, meant yeah, to yeah. be. Yeah. But I, I get what she's. She's like, it's a nothing. Yeah. It's a little bit of a nothing. Yeah. Is what she's kind of <laughs> yeah. trying to say. On that note, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we get back, Lee will lead us through the summary of this film. Can you keep up? I like love. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service that's all about helping you have fun and get creative with your style. There's dressy stuff, trendy going out clothes, casual tops, and premium jeans. I mean, you name it, and Newly has it. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month, access to thousands of styles for more than 400 brands with inclusive sizing. Fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning in Newly's state-of-the-art laundering facility are also included. Plus the option to buy what you love. I love Newly so much. I actually have bought several items that I found through Newly and they are staples in my wardrobe. Most recently, I've been looking for the perfect pair of jeans, which is a constant quest because my body is always changing and also jean styles are always changing. I was trying out this month the A Goldie Pinchwaist jeans, which are sort of legendary for how flattering they are. And it was exciting to get to try them out without sending 200 of my dollars away. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code LTSI20. Just go to NUULY.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code LTSI20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com, Newly with two U's, with code LTSI20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Oh, I'm so happy the weather is finally turning. If you, like me, have been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune, then Quince is for you. You can build up a lineup of timeless pieces that will keep you looking effortlessly chic year after year. Like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part, all Quinn's items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quinn's cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings right on to you. And Quinn's only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, as well as premium fabrics and finishes. I love Quince for all these staples. I mean, linen is my favorite summer fabric. They have so many amazing linen staples. I also found my new go-to like summer running around to the playground in the coffee shop bag. It's the pebbled Italian leather front sling bag. I can just fit a wallet and my phone and my AirPods in it, maybe some lip balm. Absolutely perfect. I'm so obsessed with it. And the price was exactly what I wanted to. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash LTSI for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash L-T-S-I. And we are back. Let's get into the meat of this movie because... 
the beauty is really in the details. It really of is. This one, as it is in so, so many mm. classic rom-coms. And it's so hard when you're re-watching a movie that you loved from your youth to recap it and like uh, pull the moments that were meaningful, but then not get too into the nitty gritty. But, you know, here we are. Uh, you're like transcribing every line. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, wait, but I love this part too. Oh, wait. Uh, but we start off with that iconic credits opening sequence with the three dancers and the bride singing, wishing and hoping. Mm. Uh, makes no sense, but we'll take it. And this kind of goes back to your Aussie film yeah. uh, nod for sure. It feels like Muriel's wedding. But <laughs> did you guys notice that one of the women in the wishing and hoping credit sequence is the same woman that is the bride with cold feet at the beginning of um, the wedding planner. Oh, I did. Is it Brie Turner? Because Brie Turner is one of the girls. Yeah. (laughs) That is so funny that you mentioned that too, because I watched this movie on my DVD. I had a two box set of the wedding planner and my best friend's wedding. I wish I had it in front of me right now, but. Well, I was very distracted. I was like, (laughs) oh my God, it's her. Wow. Wow, She's in no, the universe. Lopez that. is going to really need to convince yeah. her to walk down the aisle soon. <laughs> and then after this amazing musical moment, the first of this, this movie, because there are many, uh, we meet <laughs> food critic Julianne, who is, of course, Julia Roberts. She is dining at a restaurant with George, uh, Rupert Everett, and she whips out her archaic cell phone. You know, the, giant. we know which one we're talking about. Flip <laughs> it up, pull out the antenna. And she listens to a voicemail from Michael Dermot Mulroney, who desperately needs to talk to her. He's her best friend from Brown. He's a sports writer. They once got hot and heavy for like a a month, and then they decided this isn't going to work. We should focus on our friendship. So they're best friends. She says, it was the best times of my life drinking and talking, even if it's just over the phone. Uh, And they made this plan that if they turned 28 and they were both single, that they would marry each other. And George reminds her very quickly that she turns 28 very soon. <laughs> How did you feel when you realized that this marriage pact was made for age 28? <laughs> <laughs> sign of the times? Sign of the times, sign of the times. I, the first time I saw this, one, I saw it with a male best friend. And we were both like... <laughs> We'll Did you do have that. a fact? Yeah, we're doing we'll it. do it. If we're not married by the time we're 28, which in the Midwest was like... 45. <laughs> Truly, we were like, if we're not married by 28 and we haven't died of sadness, let's marry each other. At the old age of 28... I did get married at, I think, just shy of 28. And I remember thinking, I'm so young. Like, I remember, like, right before I walked down the aisle, I was like, I feel like I'm a baby. I was like, are, should I? I was like, is it legal for me to get married? Is this, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, are you sure I'm old enough to do this? Because you are so young. 28 is so young. It's so, so young, which is uh, the thing that I shouted to my children, like, as this part of the movie was yeah. unfolding. I was like, that's not old. That's not the right time to be married is when you know yourself, whatever age that is, mm-hmm. whatever age yes. that is. It's just so funny because, yeah, I was 10 when this yeah. movie came out. So it's like 
anything over 20 might as well. Yeah. It's all the same, oh, right? Yeah. You're like, oh, so old. It's old, much older than me. Yeah. Yeah. And then you watch, you know, I'm 36 now yeah. and rewatching, and I'm not married. And it's like, imagine, imagine thinking that your life had to be in some way, like had to be in some way settled or figured out or that marriage would even accomplish that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. At 28. And it's like, man, so much, so much life left if you're lucky. It's so funny, Nora, that you said today is my eighth wedding anniversary. (gasps) And I had the same thought walking down the aisle. Like I was 27. Yeah. And I said, this, am I old enough to be am doing this? This feels like a really big person thing to be doing. Yeah. yeah. Like who, what? Are you sure? <laughs> You're like rolling the dice. Yeah. But here we are. Here we, we are. Here eight we years are. later, two kids. Yeah. Still, you know. Uh, yeah. And still like if I, if any 27, if I went to a wedding for a 28 year old, I'd be like. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you guys sure? Okay, because yeah. it's a, what people don't tell you is this is a legally binding agreement. Okay, mm-hmm. it's not just a romantic party you're throwing. This is a, and that's why you should just marry your random best friend that you seemingly wh- haven't spoken to in a long time. In a long, yeah, because yeah. you just realize I'm going to be 28. It's time. This is the yeah. time. I will gotta say, fall back uh, in love with my friend. One of my favorite things about a rom com is that there has to be so much exposition and dialogue right up at front at the top. So either a woman is like, look, I don't have time to date because I am busy pursuing this dream and dating would take me away for it, away from it. Or in this case, Julia Roberts is one. I do think this movie, by the way, is just a graveyard of what used to be very fancy jobs or just jobs in general. This this entire yeah. movie is media jobs that don't exist that at one point were highly coveted <laughs> that I also, as a aspiring writer, thought, oh, like I could do any of these jobs. These are all writing mm-hmm. jobs that will, you know, provide a somewhat fancy life for me as an adult. But in this case, Julia Roberts' dialogue, while she's checking her voicemail from a restaurant, which it would be rude now, but was highly rude when nobody had a cell phone. Mm-hmm. Like, can you imagine? Like, <laughs> just like and on the job. Is, she is on the, the job. job. I'm sorry. What food critic sits there and gives a live review? Yeah. To I know. The she goes. You're spo- they're supposed to not know you're there. That's the whole point. And the stress these like chefs feel yeah. when they're bringing, you know, the waiters are bringing the food out. I'm like, what kind of food critic is she? Because yeah. we never hear about it again yeah. till creme brulee and jello. So oh, yeah, no, this is basically the only uh, yeah. time that her career is front and center. And yeah. her editor is just, I guess, there to live edit her. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. 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 Well, they're best friends. Yes. Well, we, yes. we, we learned yes. during yes that they are. He is her editor, and he is also her gay best friend. Who yeah. will support her throughout the entire movie, George? Yeah, the best yeah. part of this movie, really setting up <laughs> realistic expectations for both friendship and uh, professional relationships. Yep, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so after this dinner, um, Jules calls Michael back, and he lets her know that no, he's not twenty-eight and ready to marry her. He's actually met someone else, and he is getting married this weekend, actually, 
And it's already Wednesday, so. I have questions. <laughs> so Okay, these two many. are allegedly best, best friends. friends. But they're like, we haven't chatted in a while. Yeah. You they know? haven't spoken, like, it must yeah. be at least, like, a year. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess the implication is this all happened very quickly, but she's a part of a very fancy, very rich Chicago family, and they have planned a blowout event. That must have taken months. Like, this isn't something I mean, you throw together. Yeah, a handful of months. Like, Everyone yeah. else was seemed to have been invited in a timely manner. Why did Jules not receive an invitation to this wedding? She's 100%. hard to track down, yet she is very open to listening to voicemails on the job. So yeah. I, I'm very confused about how he couldn't reach they her. They seem to know how to use email at this point. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, sh- they sure do. Yeah. <laughs> they, she has a, she has a uh, cell phone. Right. He, yeah, most people didn't have those. We later find out that he talks about her all the time. At no point in time does his bride-to-be think, I'd like to meet this best friend yeah. of yours. They know where she lives, too. Yeah. Like, fly to New York if you can't track she's, her down. Yeah. Yeah, she's an heiress. Kimmy is an heiress. Yeah. His fiance is an heiress. I, I don't understand. And I'm confused why Jules isn't more alarmed that, like— Or mad. Yeah. Yeah. I would like, be so we, mad. We haven't spoken and you didn't tell me you were even dating someone. Mm-hmm. You're getting married. Also, the wedding's fully planned. Also, it's in two days. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, also, she's going to be the maid of honor. <laughs> she didn't need one heads up. What if she had been booked with a wedding right. that somebody had that? already invited her to? Well, he even says he can't do it without her. If she's not yeah. there, he won't he won't like, be able to walk down the aisle. So then, like, what were you planning on doing, buddy? Yeah. You're getting married in three days. <laughs> he seems to imply, like, he's been trying to reach her for months. I'm like, not that hard. Send a letter. Yeah, yeah send a carrier yeah, she, pigeon at I this point. I would assume like, <laughs> a family of this stature would have mailed invitations. Exactly. Yes. Fancy one. Yeah, Very not fancy like what ones. we do now with the RSVPs online. There this would was, not have been an yeah. invite. Okay. No. <laughs> no. Uh, but hey, she's free, apparently, she's free. that weekend. No, <laughs> nothing going on. She flies out to Chicago for the festivities. She meets Michael and Kimmy at the airport. Kimmy is over the moon. She is so thrilled to be meeting Jules. And a little too thrilled. A little too excited. Uh, I, I'm surprised she didn't do the run and jump for Jules. Uh, <laughs> but she asked her to be her maid of honor because her best friend got injured. Line dancing, I think. <laughs> Line dancing in Abilene. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and she has no other no friends. No Apparently. As, as far as we see, um, Kimmy has no friends cousins. attending this Lots wedding. Lots of cousins. At yeah. all. She has two cousins played by the absolutely incredible Carrie <laughs> Preston and Rachel Griffiths. Yes. <gasps> the incredible casting. But she has... Zero friends. I'm like, you're telling me this rich, beautiful blonde has no friends. Which I did not clock at all the first time I watched it. Did not clock at all even. I'd like rewatched it a few years ago. And this time was one of my first thoughts was like, where the fuck are her friends? (laughs) Where are her friends? (laughs) They're injured. And they can't go to the wedding. Yeah, Her her one friend. Her one friend. Like, you're telling me a girl like that doesn't have any friends. She'd have a million yeah. friends. Yeah. No friends. Nothing. None. Poor Kimmy. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Uh, next, we see Jules accept, uh, I guess she accepts the maid of honor duty, and she's getting fitted in a powder purple bridesmaid gown, yeah. talking to Kimmy about Michael. Kimmy's talking to her about Michael. And Kimmy knows absolutely everything about Julianne. 
because Michael talks about her all the time. And Jules is getting very flustered. She's getting very overwhelmed. She tears her gown in a flurry of feelings. Um, And then we get her in her underwear on the phone in her hotel room. And Michael just happens to walk in. And apparently he's seen her in in this lacy bra underwear set before because it doesn't phase him. He shoots out some flirty vibes. He's like, hey, yeah. Jules, remember when we boned? Like, yeah. that's yeah. basically what he's saying. He's like, I've seen you more naked than this. Yeah. Which, the I'm ick. like, this guy's a fucking creep. He gives me the <laughs> ick this whole movie. Meanwhile, back back in the day when I watched it, I loved him. Oh, my God, I loved him so much. It also I mean, gave me, and why would it, right? Why would a ninth grader think, yeah, 20's a fine age to get married? Because uh, that's how old Kimmy okay. is. Yes. Yep. So this, we learn that Kimmy is a 20-year-old junior in college. What is <laughs> yeah. this almost 30-year-old man doing, like, scamming on random college students and then asking they drop out of college to marry him? Yeah. I, who Michael. And it's not like he's suck. searching for a job. We know he doesn't want a job at her dad's. Nice company, even though he's the owner of the Chicago White Sox. No. No one seems... No one seems... Concerned? Concerned (laughs) at all that she's not even legal drinking age. She doesn't have a fully developed prefrontal cortex. And (laughs) she's marrying a guy eight years older than her who she's known for a few months. They haven't even been dating that long. Uh, everyone's thrilled. Everyone's thrilled. No, no concerns. No, no, no red flags. Concerns. No red uh, yeah, flags. Seems really healthy. Um, yeah. Also, I'm just going to put it out there. There seems to be a bit of a conflict of interest <laughs> for this local sports reporter <laughs> yeah. who is now marrying into the family yeah. of the owner of the White Sox. And he's like, I will be keeping my job. It's great and fine. I'm like, yeah. I don't know, bro. You might have some... Some inside knowledge, yeah, mm-hmm. not about sh- baseball. <laughs> not sure this knowledge uh, is okay. Are you going to be able to write critically uh, about, for example, the owner of yeah. the White Sox? He's like, yeah, I will because he's my father-in-law. <laughs> it's normal. It's normal. It's this is all normal. All the of problems this is of normal. a sports writer. Yeah, I'm an amazing guy. Yeah. I'm like, goddamn, it's. Dermot Mulroney is so lucky that he's cute yep. because yeah. it really papers so over handsome. a lot of it things. It really does. It really does. <laughs> yeah, 20 is young. 20 not 28 is young, but 28 is old as hell if you are 20. I yep. do not know 20, what a 28-year-old and a 20-year-old would talk about. I'm sorry to anybody who has a huge age gap in their relationship who's going to feel defensive, but if you are 20 and a dude who is closer than 30 is interested in you, it's because... He's defective. (laughs) And the women his own age are like, oh, no, thank you. And he's like, I got to find someone dumber. I got to find someone with a a smaller frame of reference real quick. Well, here's the thing about Michael that we discover very quickly is he wants a woman who will collapse into his life. Mm -hmm. And that is what he's looking for. Yep. He's like, I couldn't get my best friend Jules Cause she's out here like having her own job, making her own decisions, doing things she wants to do. This 20-year-old will quit school, 
follow me around in my dead end job. Uh, luckily, her family, I guess, will just finance us mm-hmm. for the rest of our lives. Um, she will never enter the workforce, nor will she have a degree that she spent the last three years working towards. Um, a prestigious degree. But it's for me. It's for me. Yep. Yeah. She wants to be with me. Yeah. And she loves me. And my best friend doesn't. Yeah. Fuck. <sighs> but hey. It's dark. It's, it's real dark. dark. It's dark. It's but really, he's so it's cute. Really dark. He has that lip he's scar. so cute. <laughs> the, lip the lip scar. scar. The lip, it's the lip scar. Ma- and he does the thing that so many good um, rom-com heroes do, which is the side smirk smile. Mm-hmm. Like, Jesse Bradford has this in Bring mm-hmm. It On. That's yes. kind of my template. Yes. And Dermot Mulroney has the same thing. Yes, he does. It's that. And then plus, like, he's got that gravelly voice yeah. where, like, everything kind of sounds like a growl even when he's being sweet. It's just, like, there's just something primal about his attractiveness. Like, I truly believe any person on earth could be convinced to marry him at age 20, drop out of school, and forsake <laughs> that, their yeah. own dreams in future. I yep. agree. Had I been I given the option at 20, I would have been like, I don't have dreams. I don't have any. My dream is yeah. you. You. My, yeah, my dream is you and your floppy hair. <laughs> and your big suit jackets. <laughs> that was the way. <laughs> that was the way, but from like 95 to 2004. Yeah. <laughs> and like the brown, like not quite brown, not quite tan. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. Shoulder, the real in-between shoulder pads. Oh. Uh, there's a lot of fittings in this movie, I noticed, too. There are. There are. <laughs> there are. So after he sees her in her lacy underwear, uh, Jules decides there is absolutely no freaking way he loves Kimmy. This is me. I got this in the bag. Uh, she meets up with Kimmy in the elevator. They discuss their relationships with Michael. Kimmy admits that she has always been thinking about Jules, and if... This is something that is going to be a competition. But she's decided that he's got you on a pedestal and me in his arms. Great line. Uh, I was great like, line. incredible line and devastating yep. line. And this oh. like makes Jules spiral. She's ready now. This is this yeah. game on. And also Kimmy is right. Yes. About she's this. very right. And George is right yeah. pretty much the whole movie. If you listen well, George to George is the only one with any sense. If you listen to George film. Anytime he is in this film, he is telling her, like, exactly what's going to happen yeah. at the end. And she's, you know, she's lusting. And that's why uh, I think George is such a good stand-in for the audience. Mm-hmm. Yes. He really is. And I, I I, don't think we have enough of that in rom-coms or just movies in general, right? A person who is kind of addressing what's happening the in the, yeah, the viewer's mind, which is like, what the fuck? Like... <laughs> Don't do that. Yeah, and it makes it makes you better able to accept the ridiculousness because you're like, well, someone realizes. Someone realizes this. And if you told your friend, your boss, a person who straddles both of those worlds for you, the things that you were thinking of doing, that is how they would react. And -hmm. you would hear that and then you would justify. I I hear you and I'm gonna do it anyway. (laughs) Which is which is how I've made all of my worst mistakes is being like, I hear you saying it's a bad idea. I hear me saying, 
so <laughs> what? So what? Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's, and yeah. yeah. Maybe you're missing some nuance, like yeah. that I want to, and I've already done it by the time I bring it exactly. up to you. That's the, that is the whole nuance. It's about the journey. Yeah. While we contemplate this question, we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to get into the rest of this incredible film. Can you keep up? I like. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. And we are back. And it is time for Jules to head off to a baseball game because she's just one of the guys. She's just one of the guys in like a crop top. She's got like a tray full of beers. Bring sexy it. Sexy as hell. So sexy. I mean, so Julia Roberts sexy. in this movie. God. So sexy. Oh. Every scene she's in. Um, I'm in love with her. So there you go. She's bringing all the guys a part of the wedding beers. They all seem to know and love her from, you know, her friendship with Michael. Uh, Michael, though, is, you know, a, he doesn't understand um, Jules changing minds. She starts talking a little bit about how she's more comfortable with the yucky love stuff. And uh, she's ready to get married. She wants a relationship. He's not falling for it. He's like, you know, just because I'm getting married, there's no way you're you're there. Our whole friendship has been you saying you want a career, you want to focus on traveling and having fun um what did you feel about the baseball scene and and jules and michael's conversation about this <laughs> i was so embarrassed i mean i was so embarrassed even when she was doing like even when i was turned on by her being like oh my god moves you've never seen and <laughs> handing out beers i was like oh my god it's like we would now call that like pick me energy you know yes. not like other girls oh energy. Yeah. we really would but there's just something that oh, I think whenever you cringe at something, it is like a mirror into a version of yourself or a side of yourself. And I, at various points in my life, have been desperately begging a man who was wrong for me to pick me to be the right girl for him. Even though mm -hmm. all signs point to no, I still, <laughs> it still feels good to be wanted. It yes. feels good yes. to be wanted and good to be chosen. And I have this parallel between this movie as a whole, the message of this movie, and modern day uh, messaging, right? Or the, um, I think TikTok is kind of like a reflection of and uh, like surfacing of some of those uglier or more awkward parts of ourselves. And there are those two trends from the past year. The one where you cry in the shower to, please don't be in love with someone <laughs> else. While you <laughs> write an embarrassing thing about an ex-boyfriend when you're like 40 and married. And that other trend that is happening now where you take 
uh, the audio from the iconic Stevie Nicks moment where she's singing to her ex-boyfriend, you'll never get away from the sound of the woman that loves you. And on the screen you've written, he has to think of me every time he hears the word whatever, because it's, Mm. you know, the person's name. Oh, he has to think of me every time somebody, you know, says, uh, fuck, I can't remember what number President JFK was, but this girl's name is Kennedy, and she's like, he'll have to think of me every time someone brings up, you know, the assassination of our president. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, that's what this is. This, This movie is like the 90s version of that. Because we did not have, in 1997, a way to sort of publicly, jokingly explore this side of us that I think is universal. I don't think it's just female, where you... It of course it would feel good for somebody to keep a light burning for you forever. And to watch that be extinguished is universally painful. Yes. Mm. And were we given the opportunity to humiliate ourselves <laughs> and everyone around us with zero consequences for our behavior, we might do something similar to what Jules has done. But it is not a yeah, movie, and that, and you won't do it because you know better. Mm-hmm. And it'll end really, it'll really end badly, much worse than this ends. So badly, <laughs> actually, do so that. badly in twenty twenty. There will be so so many more consequences. It would be like yeah. a series of TikToks. Like, get ready with me while I tell you while my husband's best friend from college who doesn't support oh God, women. Can you imagine, <laughs> yeah, this girl would be like hunted down it would be very bad would be don't so do that don't do this do not don't do this. be like jewels do but not. that that is the fascinating thing about this entire setup is that jewels only wants michael because she wants to be wanted, wanted in this like ambient way that she doesn't actually have to be with him because he's not right for her. But she wants to be wanted. And that that is the universal feeling. That is what is relatable about Jules, even as she is behaving so badly throughout so much of this movie. She's also, she is channeling that like pick-me energy, but also the cool girl from like Gone Girl energy of like, here's a beer, bro. Like, I'm so chill. Whatever you want to do. And honestly, like, what I love. A meanness to it, too. Like, as the movie goes on, where I'm like, if you did that to anyone, like, if you purposefully humiliated somebody or were leaving somebody out of a conversation pointedly, Mm -hmm. like, that's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. And that's where we are right now because Jules surprises. Kimmy and Michael with a trip to a place she knows Kimmy will hate, which is a karaoke bar. And of course, Jules is doing this to humiliate Kimmy because uh, Kimmy is very out of her element. Uh, Jules and Michael are chatting. Kimmy's trying to chime in. They're not really paying attention to her. It, they're setting it up, or Jules at least is setting it up to get Kimmy flustered from the start. Um, this is where she throws out the the school thing, how she's in love with Michael. She's going to focus on Michael. She doesn't want to go back to school. She's not going to go back. She's going to follow Michael everywhere he needs to go for Fuck his... Fuck being an architect. Yeah. Fuck being anything. Um, He's This man is a local sports reporter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, 
for this guy? <laughs> Which Jules this fucking guy? Jules understands. She's like, you're going to leave school for this guy? Yeah, this I know Jules is doing it in a somewhat like nefarious way, but she's making really good points yes. in this scene. I'm like, no, Jules is correct. And as soon as we're <laughs> contemplating this idea of Kimmy not going back to school, she is thrust into performing, even though she absolutely hates singing. Um, to I don't know what to do with myself. Uh, she is so, so bad, but it is so great. And everyone also, falls in, more in love Cameron with this is Cameron Diaz's real singing voice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which I love. That they, they were like, no, you have to just belt it. We know that this is embarrassing for you, but like, that's the point. And yeah. she went for it. <laughs> yeah. She really did. Like, if you saw Kimmy and Kent or Cameron Diaz singing this at a karaoke bar, like, all f- I would be up cheering. This girl yeah. won me over. Uh, but I'm sorry. I was like, this is the privilege of being a beautiful blonde it's white true. woman. Yeah, well, yeah. And everyone is like, wow, this woman is a horrific singer. God, I love her. Yeah. She has a weakness. She's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, She's even more charming now. She's leaving school. She should become a karaoke yeah. bar aficionado. Oh. Oh. Uh, Jules then chats with Michael about how Kimmy's dad owns the White Sox and cable sports. She says it just like that. <laughs> um, a desk job is coming for him. Here we go. Mm-hmm. She is planting this seed, this horrible Michael's seed. Michael's like, I would never sell out. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> She tells Kimmy that Michael would work for her father uh, if it made her happy and she should make it happen. So she convinces Kimmy, like, this is what Michael wants. This is what he needs. And this is what you need, too. Um, At the end of six months, he will be happy, settled, successful. When Kimmy tells Michael about the opportunity, he freaks out and he spirals. He's not good enough for Kimmy. Kimmy is crying. She is begging him to forgive her. Uh, and he does. And Jules is like shocked. She really thought this plan was going to work. Wait, this scene what do you is think so. Of this scene? I had so many feelings about this scene. Uh, it made me extremely uncomfortable. Uh, she, is, she is honestly like begging. She's almost on her knees. She's like, Yeah. Yeah. It, it's and a that's lot. what kind softens of him is like her desperation. And like just that power, like, oh, so she actually doesn't have that much power. Well, this is where exactly where yeah. you see the age difference. Like he yeah. has this power over her. She's yeah. 20 years old. Yeah. And she's literally saying, you're right. You're right. Everything you're saying is right, Michael. Yeah. And that's, and he's like, okay. Yeah. Now that you've suffered enough and told me I'm right. He yeah. flips on a dime that. too. Like yeah. it's to kind of disturbing. And is. the way he gets really, really angry. I, I thought Dermot played this really well as the character, but he is, like, I hated him in that moment. I was like, wow, you just flipped a switch really quickly. And yeah. You made this girl hysterical. hysterical. And then two seconds later, you forgive her? Like, what yeah. a dick. This is when I start, uh, yeah, he's Also, like, yeah. he's in dick. front Wait, of, like, there's so much about this movie where I, I, I saw no problems with this man. When I was in ninth grade, of course, I was like, perfect guy. Obviously, he does belong with Jules, right? The mon- yeah. the several monologues she has where she's like, he's mine. He liked me. He loves <laughs> me. I was like, the way that my brain has cycled through that at various points in my life, being like, no, no, no. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. I'm breaking up with you. You can't break up with me. Just like variations on a theme. But he... I mean, he does kind of suck. 
He sucks. He does this in front. He like humiliates his fiance in front of his best friend, who, by the way, they've been just trading inside jokes the whole time, leaving her out, pushing her to feel more insecure in every scene that they're all together. Mm-hmm. And I think growth is realizing um, that the villain is obviously Julia Roberts. But as a freshman in high school, I was like, no, it's Kimmy. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, this I, movie used to upset yeah, me when yeah. I was young because I was like, no, no, Julia, Julia has to win. Yeah, yeah. She has to she win. She needs a competition, to end up with him. Yeah. And she has to win. Yeah. Growth for me is realizing that not being with Michael is the real win. Yes. And yes. so she does win. Yes. <laughs> and the third tier of growth is realizing Michael is the ultimate villain. Villain. <laughs> like, ultimate villain. Ultimate villain. He sucks. Yes. He knows. Like, I, he knows. How could you not know when you call someone? She's like, oh, I'm thinking about that pact we made. Yeah. He's like, well, I'm not. I'm actually calling about something else. I'm calling to inconvenience a woman who I allegedly respect by springing a four-day wedding intensive. You've all been in weddings. How much does it cost to travel to <laughs> and splash out? Also, surprise, you're the maid of honor. You're the maid of you honor. have to buy a gown. You have to buy this purple gown. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you have yeah. to attend all of these events. People you don't know, but who know a lot about you. Yeah. Like, and he's flirting with her, he's and he's like, I've seen you naked. Yeah, he flirts with both of them the whole movie. He's back and forth. Mm-hmm. And then we used to think Kimmy was the villain. Yeah. Kimmy has no idea what the fuck is going on. She's 20 yeah. years old. She hasn't yeah. even, she doesn't even know who she is. No. She, no, and that's actually the real tragedy. Yes, it's horrible. Is that Kimmy gets stuck with Michael. In my, in my mind, um, several years after this movie, yeah. they get a nice divorce. And yes. My yeah. first thought, I was like, how Kim, long do Kim they goes stay back married? To school. <laughs> That's a sequel we need. That's yeah. one sequel that I'm, I'm, and what I'd be kind totally of, like, okay with. what kind of prenup situation does he sign? A really good one, hopefully, because yeah. her father would not. Yeah. No, her yeah. parents are not fucking around. Yeah, no. I, I think They're so, no too. They're no dummies. I think so, too. So I think, yeah, I think they, I think they do have kids before they divorce. You're probably right. But, yeah. 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 <laughs> she turns 28, has like two or three kids. Yep. And they divorce then. And then <laughs> she's like, I'm, you know, practically in my grave. I'm yeah. 28 yeah. years old. So what will <laughs> and I do? She, I hope she's like a very successful architect. That would be, that would be. I think the, she goes back to school. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. For, for she him. finishes school at the old crusty age of 28. Yeah. <laughs> she's decrepit by that point. So sad for her. Oh, poor Kimmy. So sad for Cameron Diaz. I know. <laughs> well, Jules is now very, very worried that Michael easily forgave Kimmy. Her plan isn't working. She needs backup. And that backup is George. She wakes up. She steps on chocolate wrappers, mini bar bottles, face mask glued to her face, opens the hotel room door to find George. He is there to help her. She wants Michael and she will do anything to get him. Um, she's, you know, she's a little where he doesn't, quote, belong to her anymore. But George tells her the truth for the first time. She's always loved him, but she's afraid of love. That's what she needs to tell him. Um, now, I don't know, George. I don't think she loves him. I, I, we think she thinks she loves him. And that's the I think whole... what George is getting at here is that he's like the only way forward if you want what you say you want, which you've convinced yourself of that, 
is to say the thing. And he knows the only way for her to release herself from this prison of, like, obsession with Michael is to say the thing and have it rejected Mm -hmm. and be brought back to Earth and be brought back to the reality of this relationship, which is that it is going to change and it, it is inevitably going to change. And the relationships you have that have maybe perhaps unhealthy levels of attachment in college are not going to stay that way forever. Mm. That's so smart. He's basically saying, so say it then. So just say it. Stop all this crazy weirdness and just say it (laughs) and see what happens, which is not going to go well. Not going to go well. Yeah. So here we are. But just do it. Here we are at another Taylor. She, uh, Jules goes to Michael and she's trying to confess her feelings but everything goes haywire. She gets too nervous. And instead of telling him that she loves him and she wants to be with him, she tells him that she's engaged to George. <laughs> uh, George is her fiance. <laughs> Michael can't believe they're together because, as he says in a cab, I always thought George was gay. <laughs> well, he is, Michael. He is. <laughs> Oh, my God. This is such a great aside because we just get to have a lot of Rupert <sighs> Everett in the middle of this movie. And he's he's so good. He's so campy and fun. I, oh, I just love it. Yeah, he and he takes Jules for a ride. He is, he is so <laughs> angry at her, but he uses it to his advantage because he just goes <gasps> manic. He, he puts chaos into this film. Kimmy... They show up at church for the rehearsal. Kimmy is so thrilled that Jules is engaged to George. She's screaming. Because Kimmy is no dummy. Kimmy's like, thank God. Yes. Oh, my God. The threat has been neutralized. She has a fiancé. She knew it. Oh, my gosh. Everywhere. uh, They invite him to the rehearsal lunch. And that's when we get now perhaps the most iconic scene of this movie. Dionne Warwick's I Say a Little Prayer for You. We have singing. We have joy. We have lobsters and pianists dressed as fishermen. Uh, it is so oh great. Oh, my God. There's so I many love musical it. interludes in this movie, and I truly think that is what sets it a cut above from any other rom-com. It's like, we do need yes. more singing. Yep. And I think that that is, in part, P.J. Hogan's influence, yeah. like the director's influence. And... There just is that, like, now that I know he also did Muriel's Wedding, you can just, like, feel the vibes. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. This scene is so great. I I don't know, for me, if, like, it just brings me right back, too, to when I first saw it. But every time I watch it, I find something else in it that just... Yeah, I makes me happy. The waiter who's dressed as a Maine fisherman sits (laughs) down and just starts playing a piano that's at a... Seafood restaurant. <laughs> so great. <laughs> An upright piano in the corner as incredible. you would expect. Absolutely, absolutely incredible stuff. And of course, after making a scene, George leaves. Oh, He's done. He's done his job. Um, He's like, I came. I sang. Yeah. It's yeah. time to I made you uncomfortable. To New York. You need to just freaking confess your love to Michael. He'll choose Kim. You will stand by them at the altar and you will kiss them goodbye. He flat out how tells her the ending. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say how fascinating that he just says the ending. Mm-hmm. And then as viewers, 
We don't, yeah. We're all still sort of suspended being like, well, that's not how it's going to end. Well, we are all against George as a viewer because we want Jules and Michael to end up together. At least we used to. (laughs) When I watch it now, I'm like, I absolutely don't want them to end up together. You're like, George, you are so right. I want to go hang out with George George. at his New York dinner parties. Like, that's where I want to be. George is constantly just like having sophisticated dinner parties, Um, going to book readings at like indie bookstores. He's living the life. mm -hmm. And he's right. Uh, Jules then tells Michael that she's not engaged to George uh, and that she measures every man against Michael. They have a day together. This is, you know, another ick scene for Michael because you're the day before his wedding. You're you're getting, yeah, you're getting married tomorrow. Tomorrow. But what are you doing? You just have, you just have time to like go on boat rides and do nothing. Yeah, where's your, where's Kimmy? (laughs) The timeline does get a little squishy because he calls her on a Wednesday. She gets there on a Thursday. And there are, like, definitely f- way too many Four scenes. days. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. I'm like, wait. Should they be- their wedding's, like, on a Monday. Yeah, their- <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Even that, Monday like, welcome wedding. brunch would yeah. take, like, 10 hours of your yeah. day. I was like, wait, there's a and there there's also a brunch before the wedding. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In the morning. Yeah. The, the morning wedding, of the like, wedding, there's like a huge celebration. Yeah. They're like setting up the wedding and yeah. everyone's coming over for brunch. Yeah, everyone's coming over for brunch. And then the whole, okay. This day <laughs> gave me feelings in my swimsuit area in ninth grade. I was like, oh my God, this is love, right? This is it. Like, this is why she deserves the guy. The day before his wedding, as a 40-year-old adult woman who's been married twice, if this is what <laughs> your husband is doing, leave him. Leave him. Leave him. <laughs> leave him. Leave him. Oh. My God. This is a bad if sign. If he's going yeah. to sing someday and slow dance with another woman, if woman? he's even going on to sing boat. that yep, as he does an earlier scene, sing that to her in front of you saying, remember when? Leave him. Yep. Leave Leave him. him. Leave this man. This man sucks. Leave this handsome man with his lip scar, with his sexy voice, with his (laughs) floppy hair, okay? With his devil make hair attitude, go. Both of you. Like, Jules, are you, you're in the moment. Jules is in the moment here. She's crying. And I'm thinking to myself, this is a man who's engaged to another woman, <laughs> engaging in this activity with you. Is this you the kind of guy you want? Him. No. Also, like, Jules, you're a fancy, fabulous food critic yes. in yeah. New York City. You want to literally follow this man from Podunk Town to Podunk Town while he reports on minor league baseball? Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> come on. No, there's no good restaurants in, in those baseball towns, you know? What are you going to critique? I want both of you to be honest. The bridge scene, the slow dance scene. Yep. Hot. Still hot. It's hot. <laughs> Still hot. When they're Still about hot. to no, kiss and they go the under they go the bridge. Under. And oh. you're like, there's the moment. It's gone. It's gone. Oh, it is. It's so, there are so <sighs> many near miss romantic moments. And the feelings <sighs> here are so relatable and that is why even though every bone in my body is screaming i hate this guy he's the villain everyone needs to run the other way i'm feeling along with julia yeah. still this whole movie yeah. julia roberts is so impeccable good she Ugh. sells it so well and i think that is 
what's great about a movie like this is that you can have vastly different feelings about it as you grow, as you have more life experiences. But if it's well done, you still love it. Yes. And she's the, she's cast perfectly because you cannot not like Julia Roberts, even though you're supposed to even hate when her. when she behaves badly. You love yeah, her. You root for you her. You love her. Yeah. Same is, thing with like a Sandra Bullock. That's why either of them would have worked because it doesn't They're matter just, what they play. You love them anyway. It's true. Julia Roberts is so good and she is the rare rom-com. Like she's a very different kind of rom-com lead from this era than say like a Meg Ryan. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Really, really, really different vibes. Like, she has, like, a hardness that I think a lot of the rom-com heroines of this time didn't have, and that is part of what makes her so appealing. And that is true of, like, from her breakout role in Mystic Pizza. Like, she is always sort of playing that, like, with that hard edge. Mm -hmm. I love her so much. she's so good. She's so good. I just love her. I mean, and before we move on, Dermot singing The Way You Look Tonight. Like, his voice, it's beautiful. And that's his real voice, too. Ugh. Ugh. Swoon. Yep. Ugh. Ugh. That's why they cast him. He was the right He was the right he choice. He was the right choice. He also but I, I, it. I don't think he could have been played by anyone else. I don't think there's... No. I know. I try to picture it. I'm like, I can't. I can't picture no. anyone but him. I, I'm like, who would be now? Like, maybe it would have to be someone a sweetness. Yeah. I think if they cast it now, it would be like a Jake Lacey or something. Yeah. yeah. I could see that. But Dermot is perfect. He, he is. is. He's so perfect. They would actually probably still cast him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's still yeah. around. That's true. They would, yeah, they would cast him Men are opposite, allowed to play like, down 20 years and women yeah, are like, yeah. they're like, sorry, you're 48. You're actually going to be playing the great grandmother. Um, yeah. It would, yeah. It would be like, like Dermot and Jennifer and Lawrence. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, Jennifer Lawrence would be She's like, too old now. Too yeah. old. She's, she's too the, old. Sorry. She's like the mother. She's like, or the dowdy <laughs> cousin or something. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it'd, be, uh, it'd be Dermot Mulroney and like Maya Hawk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like two peers, two peers who have known yeah, each other since college, basically the same age, yeah. uh, with like Sydney Sydney Sweeney as like Cameron Diaz, and there you yes, go. But Dermot's yeah. still in the or, picture. Or, yeah. Uh, well, next oh, we see Jules uh, at Kimmy's father's office to make some. She needs to make some phone calls. Now, we don't yeah. know why he initially said, sure, come on by, Jules. But she's there. She's in the office building. Likes her. She has she's a one cell phone. Of the guys. I'd, like, I'd like, that's true. She's one yeah. of the guys, but I'd also like to remind everyone, she's a giant she's cell giant phone. Cell it's hard yes. to hide that. She also has yeah, a yeah. power book. And I miss this version of computers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really do. I know me too. I loved it. Like the watching, and I was like, "Oh man, yeah." When you couldn't just do everything on your phone, where the complications that arose were because you literally did have to go somewhere mm-hmm. to access the internet, and that somewhere the era of internet cafes. Oh, I mean, that God. I remember it so well, oh, and like paying per minute, just saving up your money, being like, "Do I want to get on the internet today?" Okay. I better have a really good reason to go pay to access the internet. And now I'm like, well, I'm watching this movie. I have to know if that, you know, backup singer in the opening credits was also in. Yes. Yeah. I'm like, I guess I have to watch that on the subway as I leave my house. I can't pause (laughs) the content ever. It's ridiculous. It's a time Um, capsule. I also love that this whole plot hinges on the fact that Kimmy's dad 
writes emails all day and then doesn't send them. Yes. And then makes his secretary, I guess, like come in the next morning and send all yeah. the emails he wrote like 24 hours Yeah, like ago. proofread them and then just hit send. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because, which, yeah, as, as we see, Jules says she's going to make some phone calls. She's really there to go into his office and, and craft an email to Michael's mean. boss saying he needs to let go of Michael in order for Michael to accept a position at his company. His daughter needs this. Um, for his daughter's happiness, for her sake, fire Michael. Uh-huh. Um, she almost sends it, but then she saves it for later, leaves it in drafts, as we like to call it now. Uh-huh. But yeah, again, Kimmy, uh, Kimmy's dad's secretary must just send all of his emails because this email does go out and it's bad. It turns bad. I mean, this is where Jules's behavior really crosses the line. Mm-hmm. It's like she's done something so bad that you can't really in good conscience feel like she should win. Yeah. yeah. This is where, yeah, you turn on her this a little is the, bit. This yeah. is the the line crossing, I think. And I love, uh, there is a moment I love right before she saves this draft where she goes, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. This is crazy. <laughs> Right. And like she's hovering over that delete and you're like, oh, yep. delete it, girl. And then delete while it. she's doing that, but... she's putting Kimmy's yeah. wedding ring on at the same time. You're like, ooh, she's like an evil. Yeah. Uh, and then it gets stuck. Yeah. The, the, the ring gets yeah. stuck. So now she's stuck with this ring. She knows that this email is in drafts. Um, but soon enough, Michael receives a note from his boss telling him, he needs to know what he's marrying into because he got this email and it's not okay. He can't marry this girl. Look what they're trying to do to him. They're trying to sabotage his sports writing career. Michael's boss sends an urgent <laughs> fax yes, to, the hotel. to the hotel, to the Drake Hotel, I guess that's right. <laughs> Who then hands an envelope to Michael. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. I love this. What a simpler I mean, time. Again, does that so ever great. happen again? Ever? Uh, no. No, no. You know that hotel got a You got a screenshot yeah. of the email yes. now yes. in a text, yeah. like immediately. Yeah. But Jules is in the room when he finds out. She knows what's going on. She feels awful. He says he needs some time alone. He's got to figure this out. She goes to the hallway, lights a cigarette. And that's when we get a little Paul Giamatti moment, which is so Oh, great. my God. I forgot he was incredible, in this. Incredible, <laughs> incredible cameo. He is so perfect. He's so perfect It's the this. smallest role, but you're like, oh, you needed Paul Giamatti. Mm-hmm. He, He's so He good. says, you know, this is a non-smoking floor. She doesn't oh, care. Remember those? She oh. still smokes. You know what? And he says, I smoke too. He takes a puff and then he tells her. My grandmother always said, this too shall pass. What a great little moment. He's so wise. He's so wise. Again, that's a moment that I would have like fast forwarded as a kid. And that now as an adult, I'm like, that is key to this plot. I'll also say. She needs to hear that. um, Watching this as an adult, watching Julia Roberts smoke, I was like, should I start smoking? (laughs) I know. (laughs) Well, see, that's always, that was the biggest scam of the (sighs) D.A.R.E. program. I'm like, smoking does does look look cool cool. in a way that vaping does not. You shouldn't do it, but um, yeah, it's, the reason not to do it isn't that it doesn't look cool, because it It does does look cool. Don't lie to me. Vaping, watching people walk around like, like, sucking on a little It doesn't look cool. It's like looking like they're, you know, 
is so lame. <laughs> yeah, not the same. Smoking effect looks at so cool. All. If you are Julia Roberts smoking in a hotel room, I don't care what that room smells like afterwards because Julia mm-hmm. Roberts looks cool looked as shit. Gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, gorgeous. Also, apparently, Paul Giamatti had like really bad knee issues, oh. and they were like, "No, Paul, you have to be crouching <laughs> oh, this <wow>. whole scene." <laughs> And he was like, I'm in severe pain. He's like, I will do it for this role. Yeah, I'll do it for He's an artist. And now look, see? Off of the knee bend, he's skyrocketed to fame. Uh, Well, Michael opens the door. She, I love this. She falls yeah. back into the... Oh, uh, with her hair perfectly. Uh, with her hair perfectly, uh, yeah. Falls perfectly to the floor. He is not a smoker because he's mad that she's smoking. Mm-hmm. Um, he tells her to stop that. <laughs> he then tells her he called off the wedding. The wedding is over. It's over with Kimmy. And he asks if she still has the ring. Yes, she does. It's on her finger. She can't get it off. So he decides to suck it off himself. Okay, there's so many problems like, with this. <laughs> this you is... cannot isolate a ring finger. Try to pull your ring finger. Try to... Yeah, there's no way. There's no way. <laughs> no. There's not a single... You can't, It can't be it done. It work. And I saw this in a movie I watched recently, Leaving Las Vegas, and immediately I was like, turn it off. It can't be done. It can't. It's like, all, uh, uh, all your other, it's so revolting. All your other phalanges will yeah. interfere with that also, interaction. Also, just the germs. Like, like, also, like, I don't know. Order room service. Ask for some oil. There's yeah. a, there's like, a you're lo- in a there's hotel a with room service. Lotion. There's no, but Like, yeah, there's lotion. What are you, the right fuck there. are you doing, This is Michael. another Michael Ick moment, though, because he just Sucking needs on to just, like, fingers. suck on her finger yeah, to be like, like I'm to still hot and heavy for you. Suck. Yeah, mm-hmm. One last yeah. suck on her fingers. Also, <laughs> this man just called off his wedding yeah. without seeing his fiance in person, and she's literally saying to him, I didn't do this. And he's like, well, there's no world in which maybe your father did this like without your knowledge or whether we could work through this. He's just like, no, fuck you, Kimmy. It's like breaking up on a post-it. It's, you know, what a dick move. Kimmy, run. Run. Kim, run the other way. Going back to college. This harkens back to that that when she's begging him for forgiveness. It's the same Michael in this scene where he's just like, F off. Yeah. I'm going to do things my way and you're going to come crawling back because he always knows Kimmy's still going to be pining for him. He he doesn't have anything to worry about, no matter. He's like, I can literally do anything to Kim and she'll never leave me. But the next morning, Jules receives a note from Michael. He's going to the brunch, the big brunch before the wedding, and he's going to tell everyone there that the wedding is off. Sure, Michael. I have to cause maximum destruction. I need to yell at all her family members (laughs) publicly. Okay. Yeah, but then okay. this was funny, too, because so they're at the brunch. Jules rushes off to rescue him. Um, but him and Kimmy are both there, but they haven't seen each other yet. Like, I'm not sure how that would work when your family is expecting right. you guys to get married. Yeah, that to understand there's yeah. just like so many family members that they've sort of like people assume they're dividing and conquering. And he clearly is like, well if I show up and stick around, then like he's leaving the door open to not actually canceling the wedding. So Jules first talks to Kimmy and she uses food. Here we go. She's a food critic, everyone. If you forgot. She knows her food. She knows her desserts. Uh, To explain that uh, she's creme brulee, Kimmy's creme brulee and Michael wants jello. She will never be jello. And poor Kim is like, I I have to be jello. I'll turn into jello. And I'm like, 
Oh, poor Kim. Don't Move do on, this. Kimmy. So 20. Yeah. You're so 20. Ugh. She's like, I'll contort myself into a, a lesser food. Yeah, I will be a jiggly dessert I instead won't crack of this so beautiful. Easily. Okay. Yeah. I won't be so fragile. So then Jules is kind of, yeah. With a spoon. <laughs> oh, it's so delicious. It's so Crystallized good. Top. really so good. Ooh, I'm hungry. Uh, Jules then runs back to Michael and tells him um, Kimmy admits it's her fault. What? And she still loves him. Michael, as soon as Michael hears that, he's like, oh yeah, she admits it. It's her fault. Then fuck yeah. Let's, yeah, great. As long as she's let's yeah. get married. Yeah, she submitted to me. So here, go tell Kimmy I'll marry her at six. No problem. Um, and as this is happening, we get another musical moment yeah. where... <laughs> Dermot's little brother, who I think is a Masterson. I think he is not, too. Yeah. Oh, really? He's Danny Masterson's brother. Wow. Yikes. Because mm-hmm. I was like, is that Danny Masterson? But it's not. Yeah. Not. Um, him and his friends are sucking some helium. Yeah. <laughs> and singing. Better than you fill up my okay. senses. It's so great. Also, apparently, um, they were gonna edit this in post, but then obviously all the kids were just like, no, we will be sucking on helium all day. <laughs> <laughs> so they really It's great. It worked in that scene. Because there's just balloons yeah. everywhere. Also, who blew up all those effing balloons? I then know. like <laughs> I know. With a non-renewable resource, guys. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Come on. I mean, wasteful. Okay. So wasteful. And this is where we get Jules finally yeah. confessing her love to Michael. I love you. I've loved you for nine years. Choose me. Marry me. Let me make you happy. For the first time, it occurred to me that the, the Grey's Anatomy speech mm-hmm. sounds very similar mm-hmm. to this. But this came before. But everyone credits Grey's for like, doing oh. this. I was like, is, did Grey's take inspiration from this speech? It had to be because she basically yeah. says, yeah. choose me. She says, yeah, choose me, pick, marry me, love me. me. Mm-hmm. Right? Ellen Pompeo, though. Yeah. Got the credit. Uh, she kisses Michael. Kimmy happens to be right there. She sees it. And a manic chase begins. <laughs> Crop top fluttering, bread van stealing, <laughs> lots and lots also, of Julia yelling. Roberts <laughs> is like running by in like, dark Levi's and a long sleeve crop top. Uh, and Kimmy's mom is like, that's our maid of honor. Yeah. She's from New York. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that it's like, line. how would you know? Oh, the crop top and dark Levi jeans. It's like, uh, she's wearing dark yeah. jeans. <laughs> um, I don't know if yeah. you've... Also, she knew where like she was. Yeah. This, oh, yeah. this outfit choice was a choice because she knew she was going to this brunch. Yeah. Like, yeah. But if she was wearing anything else, I'd be like, that's not Jules. So there you go. Distinct style. Anyway, they're running out, you know, Kimmy's ahead. Michael's screaming for Kimmy. Jules is screaming for Michael. They go all through Chicago, apparently. They just are driving everywhere. (laughs) They do. They do. It's a madcap adventure. And as as Jules is driving the bread van, she, of course, has to call George and tell him. (laughs) 
Like this is harrowing. Actually, this, the uh, yes. is like completely open. It's about on the to sides. tits, but she's calling she's on her giant cell phone. I don't know where she got the phone yeah. from either. Was it yeah. in her back pocket of her Levi yeah, jeans? I, I didn't see that in the running. License. No, she is no. not licensed to drive a commercial no. vehicle. I feel confident but about that. Poor George again. Save her, George. Save her. I think this is when he's at the the reading. He's at the yeah, reading. The reading event. <laughs> She's screaming over the phone, and he tells her plainly, he's chasing Kimmy, you're chasing him. Yeah. Who's chasing you? No one, Jules. No one is chasing you. She's like, that's your answer. It's Kim. And she says, no. (laughs) She's like such a whiny baby in that moment. It's perfect. She's like, no, no. (laughs) He loves me. He doesn't choose Kim. Uh, And he also says, like, did he kiss you back? Which I didn't see a kiss back when she kissed Michael. What do you... no, 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 no. Poor Jules. They end up at the train station where Jules finds a defeated Michael sitting on a bench. She confesses that she's the one that planted the email from Walter to his boss. I'm the bad guy, she says. She just wanted to win him back. She says, you know, she's pond scum. And he says that she's the pus that infects the mucus that cruds up the fungus that feeds on the pond scum. But on the other hand, he appreciates her loving him so much. It's pretty flattering. Ew, dude. That's not a a normal emotional reaction. (laughs) I think if you were truly friends with this person, you would be like so devastated Mm -hmm. that they could do something to hurt you like that. Like it would be so, it wouldn't be like, wow, it's actually really flattering. <laughs> we did bone at yeah. one time, and it was hot. I, was like, I can't believe you did that for me. But this is another case of Michael just yeah. easily flipping from hating a woman to forgiving her and being no, like, whatever, what you love me. Wants, you love me. He wants is actually sort of similar to what Jules wants, is that he wants Kimmy, but he wants Jules to, to want be him. obsessed with yeah. him forever. Mm-hmm. And... He kind of gets it in this moment. He's like, oh, you know, it's pretty flattering. I, I love someone else, but I'll take it. I'll take your love. Uh, he then tells her they're there at the train station because it's where he proposed to Kimmy, um, which was a sweet little moment. And then they hatch a plan to find Kimmy. Um, apparently, she ca- she might have somebody might have told the brunch that Kimmy was at the White Sox b- baseball field. Uh, someone spotted her there because there are spies all around Chicago looking out for Kimmy. I guess they're all of her. I guess they are her father's employees. Yeah. I guess is what we're supposed to understand. I, yeah, like, I think your daughter is here. Yeah, isn't she supposed to be getting married today? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Jules finds her there in the bathroom. This is another amazing scene. Oh, I love this scene. She, Kimmy do, is uh, so pissed. Like that all, mm. all the women in the bathroom are just like, Get fine. Fine. Yeah. I was like, fine. I was like, this is clearly written oh, by men. men. Yeah, by you, a man. You did, no woman they did would not say get fight. the women's bathroom no, no, vibe no, at no. all. <laughs> no, someone would step in to mediate and they'd be like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's that handle this like grown yeah. women. Let's, call, let's yeah. take it down. You say your side. You say your side. And then all these women are like, yeah. wrestle her yeah. without the claws, you bitch. Bring her to like, the floor. <laughs> yeah. No. Rip her face uh, off. Um, yeah. I love that in this scene, we see that Kimmy is not as dumb as she mm-hmm. seems. And she's yes. not as clueless. I loved that. I love oh, that. 
I also love that Jules is actually the only one who respects Kimmy enough yeah. to be like, you're not a dummy. Yeah. yeah. You knew what you were yeah. doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Why would I be your maid of honor? That's weird. And she's like, because I didn't weird. trust you. And so what I said to yeah. you in the elevator, that was meant to put you in your place, actually. Yeah. So, yeah. I wish we I had right more time with you. this, Kimmy. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, like Jules tells her, you wanted to keep me close. You didn't trust me for a second. Yeah. She's like, damn she right. Says, I, I was right. Yeah. yeah. She's like, yeah, I was right. Yeah. You kissed him at my parents' house on my wedding day. <laughs> and the la- the ladies are. <laughs> Uh, Kimmy's like, I'm not going to give up my man to a two-faced, big-haired <laughs> food, food critic. critic. <laughs> <laughs> but I am going to I am going to oh, marry a floppy-haired <laughs> cheating sports writer <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who strings along another woman up until the moment he chooses to marry me who he's broken up with once in the past 72 hours and also threatened with a breakup in front of the other woman. I won't give yeah, him up. It's, I'm yeah. not giving no, him up. Not yeah. him. No. Not that prize. No. Got to keep him. Well, you know what Jules tells her? I lost. Mm. He doesn't love me. She wants her to go and marry, quote, the man of our dreams, because he sure wants to marry you. Does he? Dream bigger, ladies. Dream (laughs) Dream bigger. Bigger to both of them. (laughs) The man of my dreams would be slow dancing with someone else. Yeah. (laughs) On a boat, singing. Mere hours mere can't help falling in love. I, I assume yeah. leaving all the labor of wedding yeah. planning yes. to me. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. This man is not involved in this wedding planning. He's no. like, that. that's woman. This work. wedding happened Yeah, he's like, I'm to going to the him. baseball game. To the point where he had yes. not extended do- one invitation to his best friend that apparently, again, her entire extended family knows the legend of her, but did yeah. not ask for her address to send her a paper invitation. Yeah, also seems it, like he, bizarre. she's his only friend. Because yeah. just like Kimmy, he doesn't he have no any friends. other friends. Yeah. He just, well, we, he has several groomsmen that are floating around. Yeah, yeah. his time. brother. That's his true. brother. Yeah. His brother, and then also that guy, oh God, Paul Edelstein. Oh, right. I did you notice? I did. Him. I did not see yeah, a single he, other man in this movie. He other is than just, he doesn't George have any, Michael. he doesn't have any lines, but I did recognize him. I was like, oh. Huh. Yeah, some of the there's, guys are at like the. There's Paul Edelstein, yeah. uh, the Dermot lunch. Mulroney's the lobster lunch. Yeah, yeah. Dermot Mulroney's great <laughs> groomsman, I guess. I don't know. Good to see you. Yeah, <laughs> glad you stopped by. Oh, you got an invite? Well, Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they quickly leave this chaotic bathroom yeah. scene with its. I think it was like red, red tile. I noticed. Yeah. Anyway, she gets ready really quick. They are ready for this wedding, and like yeah. a snap of a finger. Uh, the wedding happens. She walks down the aisle. They say, I, I do. At the reception, Jules gives her maid of honor speech that she dreamed that some psychopath was trying to break them up. But she woke up and sees that the world is just as it should be. Her best friend won the best woman. Mm. She then offers her and Michael's song on loan until they find their own. Just, She's also like, I didn't get you a gift. Yeah, another dig, Girl, though. It's just like, let's just like thrust that. the knife in there one last time. You could yeah. take our song. The one he sang to me like last night on yeah. a boat. Yeah. And in the 20 minutes between <laughs> our fight in the bathroom and walking down the aisle, I had your cousins prepare 
Yes. They already knew all the words and the harmonies. And so take it away, <laughs> girls. Here you yeah, are. You're welcome, you're welcome for this beautiful gift. I didn't get you an actual gift. Like, don't, don't admit, admit that. that. Yeah. Don't say it. You have a year, yeah. okay? You have a year. It's in the mail. Well, she only had three days, yeah. right? Yeah, she, she found out on a fair, Wednesday. Fair, fair, yeah. yeah. I'm just saying you're allowed to send it out. Yeah. But the way I hope she got them. She should have gotten them an apology yeah. gift, frankly. The way Kimmy looks at her in this moment, though, is just like, thank you. Thank, thank you for you. the song. <laughs> so magnanimous. I'm like, why is this, this woman, woman just destroy your life? <laughs> You should have kicked her out. I would be like, you're yeah. you're obviously not speaking at my wedding. Please go away. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know that I'd have you standing up yeah. next yeah. to me. Bring out the no. helium boys. Yeah. I'll take them over yeah. this. Yeah. That's what she should have said. Um, as the celebrations end, she chases after Michael one last time, but then realizes he's gone. He's married now. But no, he finds her. They hug. Oh, I love. They get this to say moment. goodbye. Yeah. Ugh. It's uh, it's beautiful. The, the crowd kind of parts, and then also because she does such a good job of like, you can see it in her face that she's almost like still in love yeah. with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but his face is neutral. Yeah, he's just like bye, like thanks, bro. Yeah, like yeah, goodbye. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. Oh. oh. And then this is where, you know, the happy couple leaves covered with rice, you know, in a vintage car flanked by columns yeah. of fire lining the long private driveway, as as one does. Uh, but also, they're Station, leaving Texas. They're leaving their own reception. Like, usually the, that cues yeah. the end of reception for everyone. Yeah. But no, they go, everyone no, else goes like, back into the party. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, it's time to party. The real party begins Like, the bride now. and groom are gone. Now it's time to... I, I didn't understand that. I've never been to a wedding where, like, the guests like, well, they have to go have sex now because one can only assume Kim is a virgin. Yes. <laughs> like, Let's consummate the wedding. Wait, I think she is, though. Maybe I made right? that part Don't up. They I think say, they did say Did I make that. that up or did they say, they that, say that at I, one point, like in a throwaway line? When she's, like, when, after the elevator scene, I'm pretty sure the cousins say something like that. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, I would believe like, it. There's another so. part she's where 20. she says, I assume they're off doing the nasty, no. but that's after she's already said yeah. Kim's a virgin. Yeah. So I, I don't Nothing know. I hate more than the words, the nasty. Ew. The nasty? It's <laughs> no. just bad. Ew. Again, that's not how women no. talk about no. sex. She wouldn't have said no. that. Just mad. A man wrote this movie. <laughs> so we're back in the tent. Jules gets a call. Mm. It's George. He starts to talk about how she's probably sitting alone at a table, drumming her fingernails, wearing a lavender dress. But wait, she didn't tell him the color of her dress. Is he there? He, he is. He's there. Again, there. the kind of the crowd parts ways. And he's sitting oh, on a, another yeah. brick cell phone and he narrates their reunion. And then he says, maybe there won't be marriage. Maybe there won't be sex. But by God, there will be dancing. Oh, I got uh, chills. I literally I get know. chills. I too. He's so beautiful. He's so beautiful. <sighs> and it's such a good ending of a movie. Oh, it's so perfect. And something that I love, a little fun fact, is that this was not the original ending of the movie. This was something they had to go back and rewrite this whole scene after it was already like, being tested in front of audiences because originally the Sony execs had demanded like a a hint of a happy ending romantically with a man for Julia Roberts. And so they had written a meet cute 
between Julia Roberts and John Corbett, <laughs> who was playing... Aiden on Sex and a, the City. Yeah, who was playing a friend <laughs> of Dermot Mulroney's. He was supposed to, like, tap her and ask her to dance, and that was the end. And they tested this in front of audiences, yeah. and people were furious. Ooh. They hated it. Um, according to PJ Hogan, you'd have thought we made the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, <laughs> and I was asking them to root for Leatherface. It was just awful. They like all crucified jewels on their note oh. cards after. They were like, we don't want this. Yeah. Like no one, no one wanted that ending. So after these deeply negative reactions, they decided they needed to reshoot the ending. Um, Bass and Hogan got together and they were tweaking the script and they decided that they wanted to bring George back at the end instead. That's the message of the screenplay. Sometimes the person you love isn't your lover, Mm. said Hogan. Rupert kept saying, you need me at the end. I think he knew the impact he was going to have in the film way before any of us did. And it's true. Can you imagine it without him? That's what saves this movie, actually, and makes it not age terribly. Yeah. Because this message feels centered in the middle. This, like... And that seems like a normal thing to me for a 28-year-old to learn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? That, like, I'm chasing meaning in this person whose glow gave me meaning and a purpose in the past. But what I really have is that I've built this full life and I have this beautiful friendship and I have dancing and I have a career and I have a full life ahead of me. And I don't know where it's going to go, but it's like pretty good right now. Yeah. That was beautiful, Emma. Man. That was beautiful. And also thank (laughs) God for all of those viewers and their note cards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That were like, this sucks. No, that's not. No, 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 no. That's not what she needs. That's not what she needs. She needs to not chase after anyone else. Yeah, she needs to be alone right now, yeah. too. Like, just be who she was at the start of the movie, yeah. which is an independent woman who just wanted to focus on her own life and wasn't and fixated with love and marriage. you in a way that isn't romantic. Yeah. Yes. Like, how often do we see that and that being... Like, it's not a sad ending. It actually is a happy ending. Yeah, and it is like, there is, I guess this is a rom-com, but it's also kind of like a friendship rom-com in the same way that uh, Romy and Michelle, even Muriel's Wedding, right, is about like that, the love of friendship, like the the value of a non-romantic love. And I don't know, or I can't think off the top of my head of, an example like that from the past 10 years, 15 years? I don't know. When's the last time we had a movie where that's how it resolved was? Yeah, what was the Jen Caton Robinson movie, Somebody Great, Someone Great? Oh, yeah, 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 yes, yes. I feel like that is an interesting, but so this is actually a question I wanted to pose. Like, Mm. is this movie a rom-com? I know, yeah. I actually don't think it is. Oh, interesting. And, and, I think that for me, a rom-com requires sticking to the tropes that make up the mm-hmm. genre, which includes two people going on a journey of individual growth that allows them to ultimately come together in the end. Mm-hmm. In this movie, what we really have is one character going on a journey of self-discovery in order to realize that she shouldn't be with the other person. And I think that what makes this movie good is that it is playing 
with the tropes of rom-coms, but it is not a rom-com. Mm. And like, I don't think that's an, a negative. Oh, like, no, I think it all. makes sense. No. Yeah. I think it makes sense why we talk about this as a rom-com. Yeah. yeah. But I don't think it, personally, I don't think it's Because it was it marketed to you and served up as, and uses a lot of and those same Julia devices. Roberts. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah. It's something, it would be categorized that way if we still had video stores. It was packaged yeah. yes. that way for you when you bought the DVDs. <laughs> Right. Absolutely. With what the wedding you, planner. With the yeah. wedding planner. But yeah, it does stand out in that really specific way. And I I don't know. I still I think I will love this movie forever. Yes, me too. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. But me too. I have so many negative reactions to certain pieces yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. And yet it's executed so well that I will love it forever. Yes. And that's the mark of a great movie that you're you're just like no, that this still this still works for me even if I can recognize that I disagree with a lot of the choices being made oh, by these yeah. characters or or even if I completely have shifted the way I feel about these people as people. Yeah. Oh, totally. And I think uh, a movie where you agree with every single choice made by every single character is the worst movie ever made. Uh, yep. And there's uninteresting. uninteresting, uninteresting. That's the same way we don't like reality TV um, produced with people who have already been through therapy and who know themselves. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> yep. You know, they're just going to make the correct choice. That's actually why Vanderpump got more and more boring as it went along. And, you know, by season nine, every woman's been through years of of therapy and is like, <laughs> whoa, this is, this is not for me. They're having more mature conversations and it's boring as hell. Um, and Telsey, well, that's a whole different topic. But, uh, I think this movie is also so beautifully shot, too. Like, it's so beautifully directed that it's like seeing all the best parts of the late 90s all put together. You know, like, we loved pastels. The the girls in the beginning who are singing (laughs) that song, they are wearing my ideal prom dress. (laughs) Oh man, a yeah, cupcake. that like reminiscent of mm-hmm. the fifties, yeah. yeah. but in the in a nineties interpretation mm-hmm. of the fifties, yes. <laughs> like the big bobs, you yep. know, like just oh, it's just and just so yeah, lovely. Julianne is like the New York City chic. What yeah. we all want, what I picture I, New York as as a kid, like uh, that's a New York woman. I love yeah. her. Also, all of her fashion, all of her outfits. Mm-hmm. Back. All of the neutrals, yep. all of the well-tailored jeans and trousers and blazers mm-hmm. and, like, the crisp white baby tees. Yeah. Yep. And just, like, it's one color perfect. scheme, yep. you know? Just, like, the grays and the black. And, and, and the then white. that lavender. And that then the dr- Because that's dress. what... Yeah. But it's jarring to see her in a color. Yeah. And it plays into the whole film, which is, like, yeah. she's... She's not like other girls. She's not. She's worse. But then there's Kimmy and her pastel, like, shift dresses and her scarves Uh, and her perfectly coiffed hair. Yeah. Yeah. She's, like, preppy and pearls Mm -hmm. and sweater sets and, like, 20 going on 50. And that was also, that is also still a thing in some, you know, tax brackets, which is so interesting. Yeah, she's the consummate It feels very Southern. It still feels, yeah. 
Yeah. She wants to be her mom. That's yeah. all Kimmy wants. And I think going back to your point, Emma, is like we followed this journey for Jules. Like she has the ending that we all and I, I kind of forget about Kimmy and Michael, to be honest. I'm like, fare thee well. It's couple. not really about that. It's not about them. It's about her. Yeah. It's about her and maybe even about George more than mm-hmm. it is about Michael and Kimmy. The real tragedy of this movie is that you know, Kimmy has to marry 20. Michael mm-hmm. at, age at age 20, 20 yeah. and drop out of She's school. She's not going back I'm to upset. school. Like, Again, I'm really on. sad for her. Let's get that sequel. Yeah. In the yeah. works. Yeah, sad for her. Really happy yeah, so for this is in, Jules in, and George. I, I can't do this math, so hopefully one of you can. So if in 1996 she was 20, now she's 44, 40. She's in her 40s, right? I think she's on yes. her second marriage. I think... <laughs> You know, and she had her kids young, so she is, like, she had maybe three kids with Michael. They went through a divorce. She paid him nothing. He is now, God, I don't know what what Michael would be doing. I don't know what jobs are left for a man like that. Still writing about sports. I, yeah. <laughs> he's probably, he, he's probably I got think a he's got to have sold out. Yeah. yeah, he, oh, he definitely, yeah. oh, God. Oh, no, yeah. he has a podcast. But then a la Cameron Diaz, we need Do you think Kimmy. he would have a good podcast, though? Like, I think he uh, would end up, I think he would end up pretty successful because I think he probably started his podcast in, like, 2015. Yeah, he knew where it was yeah. going. He knew. You know what? Jules might also have a podcast. Jules might Those have a sports podcast. Fans, yeah, she's talking about the Great British Baking Show. And yeah. food. Jules has <laughs> a column. Jules has a food column and also a podcast and also probably a newsletter. Yeah. yeah. I th- like yeah. all of us, she's had to diversify. Now, is she is she single? No. Jules married? No. In I don't a partnership? Think so. I don't know that she's married. Yeah. I, I think, think she's partnered. partnered. Yep, yeah, that's how I, I see her. I kind of see her developing into like a Jenna Lyons, uh, mm. having a yeah, Jenna Lyons Yeah, don't you Lyons think that arc. like maybe she like discovered some element of queerness yes. later in life? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think she, I think she kind of like blew up as a tastemaker, rode that first wave of yes. internet media. So she started like a gawker, kind of. Ah. Oh, but yeah, like so snarky early food snarky news. Snarky food yeah. news. And then... Like skewering the yes. industry. She would have had a heyday with like the Me Too reckoning yeah. around like restaurants. Yeah, and then she got to chefs. sell a website in an era where you would sell a website for and millions of dollars. Yeah. You know? And now her and George are just like on the coast of Italy just yeah. drinking I George spritzes. Is, yeah. George might be married. George, yeah, I think George, George seems uh, George really has pleasant. Kids, I think, yeah, yeah, George is like yeah. George they, is happy. Yeah, they whatever are, he's they doing. are vacationing together yes. in like the south of France. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and oh, lovely, have a great. Life. And I lovely. bet that Kimmy and Jules are closer friends than Michael and Jules are. Yeah, yeah that I feel like I feel like once the divorce started happening, they started talking mm-hmm. and they were like, mm-hmm. wow, that was crazy yeah. that we were fighting over that oh guy. Oh my God. And also, I cannot believe all the things that I like put you through that was such internalized mm-hmm. misogyny that I blamed you for stealing. Yeah, Jules is like, I'm, I'm so, so sorry. sorry. That was so bizarre. That was so weird of me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. You know, we were young. We were young. Yeah. And we were, I mean, you were eight years love. younger than me. Yeah. Uh, so you were, yeah. you know, you couldn't. Yeah rent a car so yeah i was punching no. down and that was <laughs> yeah yeah they really both i think they they apologized and yeah. came to they got know, to a came good to place understand each other mm-hmm. better they got to a good yeah. place and there everyone's everyone's Happy. doing well yeah. 
this brings us to our rating this movie. What would you rate it, Nora, on a scale of one to 10 lavender made of honor gowns? I'd give it a 9.8 gown rating. Can I do Truly, This is just one of those movies that like, you know, with all those like red flags where it's like, oh, she's 20. Oh, she's, you know, like the story itself is so well told and so interesting. I think for all the reasons you pointed out, Emma, like they're not, they're not exploring, oh, how can this girl get the guy, but how can this girl grow the fuck up? (laughs) And, Mm And like, yeah, especially to watch it like with a teenage girl or watch it with a 10 year old boy or watch it like even by myself. Like there's so many parts of it where I can see all of my own imperfections, all of, you know, my own worst thoughts and what could have been my worst behaviors if I had had more money and (laughs) (laughs) more money and less impulse control. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know. I just love, I just love it as a, as a piece of media. This is, and I've watched, rewatched a lot of movies, especially with my kids. And there have been a lot where I'm like, oh, sorry. Yeah. We actually have to turn this off. This is, yeah. We don't say that anymore. Uh, Like we don't do that. And, Mm. and this is not uh, one of those, even though I think for, when this movie came out in 1997, we were uh, f- f- uh, just 17, 18 years away from marriage equality. So even yeah. to have uh, a, a gay character who was so central to the plot line, like that was kind of a big deal. And also like- it, Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was actually something that Ron Bass felt very strongly about, like, by design. He he told E! News in 2017, on top of Julianne losing the guy, I wanted to write something where the smartest, best, wisest, most terrific person in the movie was gay. Mm. There wasn't anything like that in those days. This was the first time that ever really happened. And nothing bad happens to him. You know what I mean? He's not maligned. No, he's, in the, way. he's thriving. He's the yeah. hero of the story. Yeah, he is, which I love. I love that. He's the I heart love. of the story. Yeah, we get some. We get some gay joy and just yep. you know wisdom and and for him to be able to like just be a person, not a person who's like you know maligned or discarded. Mm-hmm. I think you've you've convinced me to bump my my rating yeah. up to a nine. I was like at like an eight yeah. eight point five because I hate Michael so yeah. much, but yeah. you know what? It's tr- The story isn't about him. Yeah. It's about Jules. It's about George. I've talked myself into an even yeah. greater appreciation for this movie than I already had. Yeah, me too. Nine I had an eight and a half, but I'm Damn. like, you know what? It is definitely like a 9.5. Guys, I also started, I mean, like I said, I've been watching a lot of movies from this era in 1999, which I'm sure that you've discussed a million well, times. That's the right is like the that's right the year. like that's, that's the, the year. year. That's the year. And so we're that's gearing year. up towards that. But prior to that, like even some of like the hit movies outside of, you know, this genre are so bad rewatching them. Some of the biggest hits are just so mind-bogglingly bad. Like even Oscar winners. Like I mentioned mm-hmm. leaving Las Vegas. I tried to watch that and I was like, this is the worst movie. (laughs) 
I will say that a lot of the great rom-coms yeah. of that era, though, yes. do hold they up. They hold up. They yep. still yeah. work. Yeah. Of course, there's moments of, like, ick and yeah. ooh and up, uh, but, uh, like, that's yeah. bound to happen. That's yes. age, yeah. you know? But yeah. yeah. Most but of them hold the whole, up. Like, the, the feelings still feel true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that is why so many of us love rom-coms and the surrounding genres because they make us feel something that feels that that seems very true yeah. to life and like even if some of the references feel dated if it still evokes that feeling mm-hmm. then it still works which is like who hasn't felt threatened who hasn't felt threatened who hasn't felt like uh, set aside or overlooked or who hasn't looked at another person and thought, oh no, I was supposed to do this, right? Like, and who hasn't felt like the ticking of an imaginary clock imposed by a culture that doesn't value women? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And just talked themselves into choices and situations that were completely avoidable. <laughs> But for all of these pressures that we've succumbed to or accepted or just felt the weight of, like that to me is what a really good rom-com does is brings to the surface all of our like most human kind of icky parts too, which is like the need to grow to be able to love yourself and then to be able to extend real unconditional love to another person, growing is awkward and painful and fraught. And I do agree this is not a rom-com, and yet it tricks us into thinking it is so it can serve us up just another, like, just a really good, smart comedy. Yep. Absolutely. I think that that is a perfect place for us to end. Nora, you've just been such a brilliant guest. Mm. Can you tell the people listening where they can find you, your podcast, all of your your wonderful work? Oh, I'm Nora McInerney. You can find uh, my website at noraborealis.com. A lot of people, including people I went to college with, think that's my real last name, but it's not. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I have a company called Feelings & Co., and we make the podcasts terrible thanks for asking the daily show it's going to be okay and the occasional book podcast terrible reading club and on that note that is it for this episode of love to see it with emma and lee thanks to our wonderful guest nora mcinerney love to see it is produced by us emma gray lee blickley and stitcher this episode was edited by talon stradley our theme music is by tamar habib and our art is by celine chang Josephine Matarana is our executive producer. If you like our show, please do all the things you would do to support a podcast you love. Follow us, rate us five stars, leave a review, and of course, tell all your friends about Love to See It. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at claireandemmapod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter and TikTok at Love to See It Pod and on Instagram at claireandemmapod. And you can find our newsletter rich text on Substack at clarendemma.substack.com. I'm also on social media at Emma Lady Rose. And I'm at Lee BZ. We'll be back next week with Golden Bachelor cast bios. Stitcher. 